Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Praise the Lord. Thank God for you, your faithfulness. Amen. And no lights. Check that out. I can see. I can see. Thank God, thank God, thank God. It is a joy to be here with you. And uh, just driving through the streets, y'all, man, brings back such memories. My wife told me, and I forgot this morning to say it, that my wife sends her love, uh, you know, and uh, we are, we are ingrained into this church. This is, uh, this is where it all began for us, lost, broken, messed up, 19-year-old. My wife was 18 we were a mess. Our lives were a mess. Our, our home was a mess. <laughs> yeah, it seems like ages ago. But man, I'm telling you, God had mercy on us. And here we are. My wife and I, were, we just celebrated 26 years in September. 26 years. Hallelujah. And uh, my oldest daughter, which we were going to abort before we got saved, and we got saved, just gave us our first grandson. Amen. On December. Yeah. So I'm I'm officially the youngest grandfather in the fellowship. I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounded good. So now I'm a grandpa. And, you know, it's funny because I think all babies, I know some of you got carrying babies and you look at your baby. Oh, he's so cute. Let me tell you about your baby. Ain't no such thing as a cute baby until they're six months. When they turn six months, then they get their personality and things change. But until then, they just look strange. I know. So my family even keeps sending me all these pictures. And they, sent, they send these pictures that he really does look cute. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Now, this first time they have ever heard me say this. Okay, well, he's cute right there. And, man, that went viral in my family. I'm getting phone calls and messages. What, Dad, you what? Dad, are you some mom? What, Dad? I mean, from Florida all the way to Vegas. My youngest daughter married, and she's in the Vegas church. And so they're all calling, ah. I said, Tori, I thought I told you not to say nothing, my wife. And she said, why cut and paste that? Because I needed proof. They they won't believe. Okay, so then they sent me another picture. I said, that ruled out all the pictures that you sent that he was cute. That picture, the boy looked like E.T. And that they did it. They don't don't send me no pictures. They don't send me nothing. I was like, yeah, six months. So so grandson is going to be cute in six months. Until then, that boy's funny looking. Anyways, <laughs> that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. So, thank God, life has been grand. God has been merciful to the chase camp. And uh, here we are. I'm working on my, going on my sixth year now, evangelizing. This is incredible, unbelievable. And I don't have an end date in sight. And so, here we are. All right. No more. You guys, you know, uh, if any church should know me, you guys know me. So I don't need to go into all that. Luke chapter number nine. Very simple message, but I, I again, I was on the airplane. This is one revival where I have every sermon lined out. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Every sermon. I was on the airplane, and this sermon was on my heart. And I knew it was for Sunday night, and so... Luke 9 and verse 23. It's very familiar stuff here, but if you would just bear with me and uh, give me your attention where God can help you tonight. Help us, I should say. Luke 9, verse 23. Say amen when you're there. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Father, tonight we thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy, for your loving kindness. Thank you today that, God, you've paved the way for us to have access. Thank you we can gather together in your name. I'm asking you arrest the hearts of men and women. May we lean into your word and speak with clarity through my voice, God. I pray may the spirit of God speak with clarity. Change us from glory to glory, God, please. I depend upon you, oh God, help me to speak as I ought. And I ask for anointing in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? Lost and found, if you are a note taker, you're just one who likes titles. Lost and found today. All four Gospels don't record all the incidents. John's Gospel has its own narrative in so many different ways. But the Gospels, as we know it, are each viewpoint. Everyone, it's like you see in an accident, the police don't just take one person's word. They take it and then they can, they can develop um, how this whole scene went by gathering information from each person. And so the Gospels... Um, are in in view of something like that, if you would. But all four Gospels record this powerful dynamic, losing your life to find it. Jesus is speaking, and he is saying something that there is a lostness. Now, I don't think that's actually a word. I've coined it because I like it. There is a lostness that is good. When we speak of losing things... You and I were literally delving into the negative when we lose things. Let me talk to you about the reality of lost. Now, I want you to lean in tonight. Children, I want you to behave so your parents can lean in. The reality of lost. The Bible speaks of lost things often. There is the fall of man. This is the chief, one of the chief doctrines of our entire salvation, the fall of man, that there was a garden. God placed man in that garden, and sin was introduced, and Adam and Eve are forced out of paradise, if you would, and their place was foreclosed on, and they lost what they had. Are you with me? As we read through the Bible, we read that Abraham was told to go on a journey. He goes on that journey in uh, Genesis 12. But in the process of time, he makes a bad decision and responds um, to the urgings of his wife and produces a child named Ishmael. Then you have Hagar, this whole story. Hagar is is having contention um, with Sarah. They send uh, Hagar off with Ishmael, and as she's leaving, the Bible says she gets lost. She gets lost along the way. And as she gets lost, she finds herself um, desperate and in need um, in a place where she ran out of water and supplies. I'm not going to go into the story. You can read that. just want you to grasp hold of the reality that there is a reality of being lost. We find in the book of 1 Samuel that there is a man, his name is Saul. Saul had a father that sent him on a mission looking for lost donkeys. 1 Samuel 9, 3, now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. Kish said to his son Saul, please take one of the servants with you. Arise and go and look for the donkeys. They were lost. While on that mission, that's not a hallelujah spot, my brother. That's not a hallelujah spot. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 that wasn't, a, that wasn't a praise God spot. I'll show you one, though. Hold on, just hang up. While on that mission looking for these lost donkeys, Saul says that, um, you know what, we are taking so long looking for dad's donkeys that dad's going to begin to worry that we are like the donkeys we're supposed to be looking for, that we have become lost. There's in the story in 2 Kings 6, 
There's the story of the sons of the prophets. They are laboring. The Bible says as they're expanding the kingdom, one of the servants um, is striking some wood and he loses his axe head. And he screams, as you know the story, alas, master, it was borrowed. But it's terrifying him because he's broke. He doesn't have money to replace this. um, And it is lost. You with me? There is the parable that's found in Luke 15. This is the, um, the, uh, the most notorious parable uh, in all of the scriptures concerning lost things. Um, there is the sheep that wandered off um, from the pack of 99 and was lost. There was the coin that was in the woman's uh, wedding garland, um, and that coin was lost. It was lost. Matter of fact, it's incredible because the coin was lost not far, but it was lost in her own house. There's a reality right there. I wrote a whole sermon out of that thought. That you can lose things in your own house. Things that are precious right where you live, things can be lost. How many have lost your keys in your house? Talk to me, somebody. You're flipping your whole house upside down looking for some keys. There was the son in Luke 15, which is the heart of the story. The son whose father gave him his goods. And the Bible says he left him to a far country. And immediately he found himself lost. Are you with me? See, lost literally means without direction. This, beloved, defines the plight of mankind. We are lost. Hello, somebody. We are lost. Ain't no compass in the world can help us be found. We are lost. Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. The way of man is not in himself. It's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. It says in Proverbs 20, 24, a man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? When we try, we discover immediately we're lost. Anybody with me? Jesus said if we lose ourselves. Beloved, the reality is we are born that way. This is the interesting thing. The reality is we are already there. How many are today living life from cradle to grave without any direction at all? Lost. Without any kind of direction, clueless as to where they are going in life. You know what I've discovered? If you don't know where you're going, you're going to get there rather quickly. Nowhere. Hello, somebody. The truth is we experience this fact and this reality more than we like to admit it. Even in here tonight, we experience this more than we like to admit it. We're like the husband who's driving around town and the wife says, babe, you're lost. Get some direction. And he will not admit it. In other words, the reality of lostness can be touched by both of our hands right now if we would admit it. When we recognize this, a light begins to shine. Saul, a light came on when he began to realize dad's going to be concerned because we're getting to the place where we're going to be like these donkeys. A light comes on. He said, you know what? We're wandering around without direction looking for these things. And the reality of this possibility was sinking into his mind. Because of that reality, some decisions according to that knowledge were made. This First Samuel 9 and verse 6. And he said to him, look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there, and perhaps he can show us the way we should go. Let's seek the man of God. Let's get some help right here. Because you know what? We're lost. Jesus, if we lose. All right. Let's take a closer look at this because this is incredible to me. Jesus said, if we lose his life. Lose in this text means destroyed or ruined. 
It means made of no use. The same thought is placing new wine in an old wineskin. Something happens to the old wineskin. It won't stretch, and it is destroyed. It is ruined. It cannot be used. It is lost. Zeroing in on this thought, lost things, because we don't want to leave this open-ended and ambiguous. He said specifically, loses his life. James, he says, what is your life? It do, it, Pastor Dillard's word, it behoove you and I to consider that statement. What is your life? James said it's a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Luke 12, verse 15 said, he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses, his life. Jesus said concerning a man's life that it does not consist of things that he possesses. Consists of means more than one thing. Therefore, There are a variety of things that can be or even are presently lost in our lives that are very damaging, very painful to you and I as men and women sitting in the church house tonight. Are you ready? Number one is innocence. Jude, he said that the angels that rebelled lost their first state, lost it. When they sinned, they lost their innocence. That was a state of perfection. Like Satan, they were beautiful to behold, but sin and error as was found in them, and they were cast out, ousted from the place of perfection and stained now with a mark that will ever denote something in them is lost permanently. You know, a demon used to be an angel. Hello, 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 church. That third of the angels are now demons down here. Adam and Eve, they had fig leaves trying to cover what was literally uncovered because something happened. They lost their innocence, and now all of a sudden they want to cover things up. Cain, he's ousted, and there was a mark placed on his skin. He said concerning his judgment, it was too much for me to bear. Sometimes people are the way they are today because they have lost their innocence. You know, the problem with this is you still have to live your life with this mark on your conscience of your innocence being gone. See, the problem is living with yourself. That's the honest, after losing your innocence, you still have to rise up the next day and live without it. Secondly, trust. Trust can be lost. When there is infidelity in a marriage, in relationships where there has been gossip, where there has been slander, where there has been lies, where there's been bitter envy and rivalry, all these cover-ups, where there has been violations in friendships, that the, the reality is the trust that was given free at first now is lost. And it will take years of investing to buy that trust back. And even after buying it back, it is not the same as it was at first. Number three is your ministry can be lost. Ephesians 5.15 says, see, then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now, don't, don't, don't misinterpret this. Ministry is simply serving people. Some people don't want you to serve them because they can see something's off with you. Hello, somebody. Jesus, he said, take the talent from one and give it to another. Why? Because this one devalued it by burying it. 
There are musts in the kingdom of God. There are musts. You must be born again. That's a must. And in ministry, there are musts. They're found in 1 Timothy 3, and these musts must be adhered to with a pure heart. 1 Timothy 3, 2, it says a bishop then must be. You can read it yourself. He says it again, a bishop then must be in 3, 2. And it says again in 1 Timothy 3, 1, likewise, their wives must be. These musts must be adhered to, and when these musts get lost, so does ministry. Proverbs 25, 26, a righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. Who is going to drink water from a polluted well? Who in their right mind will come to somebody whose ministry has been debunked, if you would, because of a bad mark upon their life and their ministry has been lost? Who will come to you except for someone else who's in rebellion? Number four, your mind can be lost. You ever heard someone say that? You lost your mind, huh? Your mind can be lost. Romans 1, 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Romans 1 and 28, it says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, a reprobate mind. God handed them over and allowed their mind to get totally lost. Nebuchadnezzar, it's a famous portrait of this. In the book of Daniel, you can read that on your own. He has filled himself with pride as he's looking over the city wall and city uh, and looking at the glorious beauty of the city. And he begins to make that statement, this glorious city that I have built for my own splendor, my own glory. And God came down and judged this man. And how did he judge him? He didn't kill him. How did he judge him? He didn't tear down the wall. How did he judge him? He didn't let his enemies come in and plunder him. No, he just simply made him lose his mind. He removed sanity from him. And the Bible says instantly he fell down to the ground and was groping around. Hair grew like feathers. Nails grew like long claws. And he's drooling all over the place. And he became a man who was insane in his mind. You think you can look at things that won't warp your mind? You think you can stare at porno or ungodliness and unrighteousness and it not do something to you? You think you can sit in front of a television 24 hours a day and it not begin to influence your thought life and who you are and what you are? And, your, you know, the media understands this. That's why they pump their agendas. That's why they spend millions and billions of dollars for a 15 or 20 second commercial because they know you're a vegetable sitting in front of that. And all it is is it's dumping information into you and you can't put no information into it. So it's a one way communication. They are communicating their message to you. You think you sit in front of that all day, all the time, and it does nothing to you? It don't warp your mind? Are you crazy? Think they're just wasting their money? You think you can talk to some people that are not right with God, that are twisted in their mind, and it not have a profound effect upon who you are? Think you can seek advice from somebody who's ungodly and get some wise counsel and that counsel won't warp your way of thinking? You remember that old commercial? It had that commercial, it had an egg, this is your, your mind, and it cracked the egg and they put it in a frying pan and then they said, this is your mind on drugs and that, that egg started to fry. <laughs> this is your mind on drugs. That's what I'm speaking of. You can lose your mind. You think you can take some drug, take some of this, take some of that, and it not begin to cause you to lose something that's pure? If you look at America today, and you gaze, I don't care your, your, your persuasion, Republican or Democrat, they're all a bunch of mess. I don't care. My son-in-law's family, their pastor down in Raleigh, 
and they are um, uh, Baptist, and they are staunch Democrats, and they came over for the grandson, and the wife is trying to argue with me, and I, I'm sharing with her, I don't care what you say. I'm not a Republican or a, or a Democrat. I'm a Christian, and a Christian with ethics, and I'll never vote for a Democrat, and I'm going to say it. I don't care. I don't care your persuasion, because they murder babies, and it's in their bylaws. It's what they do. It's where they get their funding. Now, you, you, you solidify that with Scripture. I don't care what they say. That's what they do. So when I showed her that, told her that, showed her these folks, tell you, follow the money, sweetheart, follow the money. That's where it's all coming from. And you know what happened? She shut her big mouth. Shut up, Jezebel. Come in my house talking all that foolishness. Mind is lost. You look at some of these politicians today and you see, you see what's happening in your mind. Just How can this be? Because their mind is gone. What they do habitually testifies to this truth. How can we legalize marijuana? I listen to old dragnets. I love them. And at the end of the dragnet, it will tell the police story. And this sergeant, this, this one is dedicated to Sergeant so-and-so who died in the line of duty to protect and preserve the people of Los Angeles to serve you in this country. And most of them, a lot of them have died trying to stop marijuana from spreading now we legalize it. How? And the, they died in vain? That's like letting another Hitler come into power and just, oh, just let him come on in power. So everyone in World War II died in vain? Sheesh. We lost our mind. Hello, somebody. Anybody with me? Your mind can be lost. Number five is truth can be lost. The prophet cries out that truth has been slain in the streets. Slain in the streets. There is a war, all-out war, against truth today. Are you with me? There's an all-out war. And if you're not paying attention to this, you get deceived so quickly by all the inundated news, or you're inundated with the news, uh, and it's just like this rush, this this current that comes. It comes from music. It, it comes from news. It, it comes from shows. It comes from everything. All of a sudden, they pass a law that homosexuality is right, and it's not right. I don't care if your brother is a homo. It's still wrong, and if you don't repent, he'll go to hell. I just shook some stuff. And every time I say that, folks, well, that's my brother. I don't care. Listen, we say something about people being drunk. Can't be drinking. Amen. Yeah, preach that. But then you say something about, oh, well, you know, my brother. So what? Sin is sin. Hello, somebody. Am I still preaching in the church or is this some political meeting? Well, you know, we don't want to mess things up. We got votes. I don't care about no votes. We need to be speaking truth. Hello, somebody. Prophet said truth is slain. That means there's war. There's war against the truth. And as you begin to declare the truth, matter of fact, I dare you to begin to declare the truth. I double dare you. And watch how fast the, you'll hear the swords coming out of there. Rudy Giuliani probably said it best. He said, truth is not truth. And then they said, oh, yeah, see, that's what they said. No, 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 no. What he was really saying is you'll say the truth, but they'll twist it up. What has been said so bad and so blatantly, they'll add things to it to make it so it sounds like there are shadows of untruth to it. And then they'll classify everything he said as untrue. And the truth gets lost in the mix. He said, so what's the point in even speaking truth? Because today, truth isn't even truth. Last day spirit, the Bible says they will call evil good and good evil. And if you are so numb that you can't see this, I am scared for you. I wrote a sermon that said God's going to have his day. I sure did. I got so vexed. The truth is homosexuality is a wrong. It's sin. It's ungodly. The truth is abortion is murder, but they're blasting all this. You heard New York just pass their little laws and all this stuff that's coming down. I'm here to tell you, as they did, I was so disturbed when I saw the, the colors of the rainbow on the, the White House. I was overseas somewhere. I sat at a desk and wrote a sermon. God's going to have his day. And I'm telling you, beloved, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping through the news on, on, on my computer and I'm, I'm reading articles on their excitement and their parades. And in one of the parades, 
homosexuals had a cross. I don't know if you saw that. He's bearing a cross. And they get to the end of the parade, and they stand this cross up. And a homosexual, they tie him to the cross, mockery of Jesus. And then another homosexual comes and, and makes out with him on the cross. And it disgusted me so bad, I wrote the sermon. God's going to have his day. He's going to have his day. You mock, 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 but he's going to have his day. Hello, somebody. It's what spirit is in the earth today is truth has literally the last beacon call for truth is the church. Now look at the church. I pray it every day. God, awaken your giant. Awaken your church. The last call is the church. And look at it. Just come on. Look at the church. All this infighting, all this foolishness, all this sin behind pulpits, trying to rele- be relevant with the world. We dress like the world, skinny jeans up, up preaching, shirts untucked up to here. We're out there, they're out there, and no, preach the gospel. They won't preach the truth because people will get convicted. Well, you don't want to lose people. You ain't got them. You don't have them. If you're going to lose them, you ain't got them. The truth will set people free, and then you have free people. We don't want bound people, then lose them on our way to heaven. Come on. What we want is to plunder hell and fill heaven. I'm trying to create no crowd. We're trying to wrestle with demonic spirits. But see, you got to do this by truth. But truth today can be lost. Appetites, number six. I stay on that long enough, I can feel it. I'll start preaching on that for a while. Appetites can be lost. First Peter chapter number two and verse two, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. One of the first telltale signs of sickness in any mother to any mother of their child is when their child becomes despondent and they lose their appetite. They don't want their, their favorite candy anymore. They don't want chicken nuggets. They don't want their French fries. You try and offer it to them, they get this glazed look on their eye, this stare that says, oh, that's not feeling good, mama. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. You can lose your appetite for righteousness. Do you know what righteousness is? We know it by, by, by name, but do you know what it means? Very simple. It means just doing right. We can lose our appetite for just doing what's right. We can develop an appetite for other things, and the appetite for just doing what is right can get lost. You can lose your appetite for the things of God. Don't care about being in the house of God. Don't care about worship. Folks ask me all the time, Pastor, how come you close your eyes when I'm on a stage or whatever during worship? I close my eyes on the stage because I don't like looking at you worship. That's why. Now, I'm not saying that to be funny. I say that honestly. Some folks get under my skin. Man, are you kidding me? I know some folks, well, you know, you're just sensational, whatever, whatever, and you just want people to be. No, I, I think God deserves a little bit more than, Father, we love you. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, man, this is holy ground. I I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. We can lose our appetite for worship. We lose the thought that, God, you are here. And if we really recognize that reality, that, God, you are here, we'll have this appetite for worship. We'll have this appetite. Our hands, man, it will be joyful. God, thank you for saving me. 100% of my life is directly linked to God saving me. Everything in my life. And that's not just, what is it, hyperbole or whatever they call the word. Listen, folks, this this is a general truth. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have children. My daughter wouldn't be alive. She would have been aborted. I wouldn't have a grandson. My twin boys would be fatherless. Everything in my life, literally, is because he reached down and saved me. You can lose your appetite for gratitude. 
Look at all the way you don't have this. Or don't. My mother-in-law's this way. We moved her all the way from Chicago because she was suicidal again, and she was just losing her mind. So we moved her in with us. We spent, I spent the money. Oh, my Lord. I'm so grateful that we have a fellowship that moves us. I moved my mother-in-law by myself. Woo-wee. We moved. And half the stuff I paid to have shipped, when it got there, she's opening the boxes and throwing the stuff away. Look at his face. Y'all see that face? You see this face? Oh, I don't want this. I don't want. No, you're going to keep that. How much money I spent? $55 a box. There was like 20 boxes that came in that mail. You ain't throwing nothing away. <laughs> she couldn't walk from here to there. By the miracle of God, this woman's walking miles now. Her health is, but you talk to her, well, I'm alive. Well, so are folks in prison, but they're, they're locked up. I mean, uh, come on. Do you have any, uh, where's the, well, you know, I still have, come on. Are you serious? Lose your appetite of gratitude. Lose your appetite for the word. I told my son. Don't tell me you're called to preach. Oh, yeah, I think I'm called there. Don't tell you. Did you read your Bible? Well, no, I didn't. Don't tell me about your calling. Don't even talk to me about it if this word is not read in your life. If, you, if, if you're not eating this, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. If this isn't your bread and butter on a daily basis, something is lost. I got to eat this every day. It's a discipline. How many eat every day? Ain't none of us fasting all the time. You eat every day. You got to feed your spirit. So here it is. So, so you, you lose your appetite for the word of God. Well, I've heard that or I've read that. You think you know it all, so you just kind of push it to the side. You lose your appetite for fellowship. Don't want a fellowship. Okay. You can lose number seven. Destiny can be lost. The thought that you are elected, as the Bible says, and foreordained does not guarantee destiny. Are you listening tonight? It must be kept at all costs. First Timothy chapter number six and verse 20. Oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Guard. You know what that means? That means that. It must be kept. It must be protected. You know, the thief only wants to steal valuables. The Bible says the devil is the thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he only wants to kill, steal, and destroy that which is considered valuable. Saul disobeyed God, and when he grabbed hold of the robe of Samuel, the Bible says it ripped, and Samuel turned and said to him, So has God ripped the kingdom from your hand and has given it to another who would do all his desire. This is interesting to me because God is the one who chose Saul. Preordained, predestined, this was of God, and God says, okay, your rebellion and your sin, it literally, he lost it. God took it from him. Pastor Campbell said profoundly, destiny is not a mystery, it's a decision. It's a decision. Esau, the Bible says he sought his birthright with tears. And if you know the story in the book of Hebrews 10, it speaks profoundly that he lost that birthright forever. Not only that, the Bible says specifically that he sought for that birthright with tears. And there was no repentance granted him. God wouldn't even hear his repentance concerning that issue. He said, it's done. Your destiny, as far as that's concerned, is over. Moses cried, can I please enter in? God said, no, and don't bother me with this anymore. It was gone. He made a decision. He speak to the rock. He smote the rock. God said, that's it. And that was the end of this discussion. discussion. Destiny, as far as that's concerned, lost. Judas, the Bible says he fell from grace and was lost. He lost his place with the disciples, and his place, it says in Matthew or uh, uh, Acts chapter 1, was given to another. Destiny is written for us, but it can be lost. 
my son. While he was backslidden, living his life, not listening, I said, son, who you marry matters. He's dating his girl. The whole church he's in is unrighteous, very unrighteous. Me and that pastor had some, some words. It's my son. He's violating my son, my flesh and blood. So I cornered this pastor, and I had my finger in his face, and I'm righteous in it. And I said, you're wrong. You're evil. It's wicked. And I called him out. He put my son and my son living in sin, shacking up with this girl, but he's got him as a leader. He's got him as on drums. He's got him as songs. And, and my son is just, he's eating it up because he's in sin. But yet he's also fulfilling some spiritual desire to be used in the kingdom of God. So you can't do both. I don't care how good you are. Sooner or later, the dominoes fall. So what happened? Four years later, the dominoes fell. He could not outrun the conviction of God. He calls me up, wants to come back. But see, this is after he marries this girl. I had my heels down the whole time, all the way up until the day he said, to the moment, the second he said, I do. Once he said, I do, it's done. She's family now. I'll have to accept her. Not a big deal. We'll work with it. Fine. But I'm telling you, you made a mistake. Two months into this, this woman flipped on him. I'm telling you horribly. I'm telling you horribly. So bad. So bad. So bad. So bad. So bad. I don't want to go into all the details. But nonetheless, uh, she said, if you go back to serving God, and, and where because he was being dealt with by God, he needed to come back and do right. And so he said, I can't run no more. My dad was right. Four years I've been running. I'm going back. She said, you go back. I'm serving you papers. He looked at her and said, you're called to be married to me. You said, I do. You're supposed to follow me. She said, I, I'm not going to. You go there, I'm leaving you. He said, well, you know, that's your choice, but I'm going back. You're supposed to follow me. He came back. About a week or so later, she served him papers. Divorced him. Don't matter if he was called to preach now, does it? Because he won't preach now. Are you hearing me? Destiny lost because he made a decision. And that decision, that decision cost him his destiny. Destiny is not a mystery. It's a decision. Bible is full of this record that it can be lost from Genesis to Revelation. Yet there is one more I want to talk about. There's many, many more. For the sake of time, I'm just going to speak of this last one. That's your liberty can be lost. Jesus. He said, he who sins is a slave to sin. That it has obtained mastery over you. Addictions of all sort. They all start off just for fun or just for kicks or just hanging out. But then all of a sudden. A line, if you would, invisible line is crossed. And now all of a sudden that just for kicks desire has released a door, opened a door into your soul, if you would, where you are. You are flesh, but your flesh is a suitcase. You are a spirit being, but there's a door opens up and it invites in all kinds of hellacious, demonically uh, 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 empowered spirits and these spirits um, from the underworld begin to control a life. Hell gains some powerful, powerful, powerful influence over the faculties of a man. Now they are driven. You got sons that were robbed from their mom and dad. You got men that drink and drink and all of a sudden their whole chemistry of their body shifts and now they are literally driven by drink and now all of a sudden it's demonic. They've got their medical terminology and all that, but I declare to you it is spiritual. All of the sudden, all of the sudden, they'll drink away their, their, their fortune. They'll drink away their life, their, their kids. Everything means nothing to them except having that drug, that drink, that weed. Romans 6.12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. So what happens when you and I do what God says not to do? What happens to a man that, or a woman that does what God says don't do? I tell you, in short, we lose our liberty. We become entangled in the sin that he set us free from. And how many stories do I know personally where they have been delivered from drugs, they've been delivered from alcohol, been delivered from porn, 
And then they go and touch that one more time. And all of the sudden they are entangled in the same sin. But this time condemnation is added. So now they're entangled in a sin and the devil begins accusing and condemning them in the midst of it. And the Bible says in Matthew 12, the latter end of that man is worse than the beginning. Are you with me? All right. A man's life consists of much more than possessions. Okay, so let's close with lost and found. The glorious reversals of the kingdom always, always is like music to my ears. You say glorious reversals, yeah. The deaf hear. The blind see. The lame walk. The dead are raised to life. You know, God masters in this arena right here. And here's another one that he masters in. He said, he who loses his life finds it. That's, I'm, folks, that's, that's incredible to me. Satan desires to entangle us and get us driving this one life we have in circles. The Bible says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, to seek and save that which was lost, to redeem. That means to buy back what we cannot. That is the glorious purpose of God. That is his design, that he has a plan, that he has a purpose. I was reading a book. It was written in 18, I want to say 81. To me, the only books worth reading were books when they didn't have everything else flashing in front of them, but they had a mind to dig deep into the scriptures. Listen to what this brother wrote. This is incredible. He said, a brook can do nothing but babble. But let that brook find its way into the great river, lose its murmur into the deep flowing majestic streams that slake the thirst of cities and turn the industries of the world. And the hour will come when that little brook that babbles will have its share in all this splendid achievement. The spring branch has not lost itself. It has gained the river. And so it is with the life which God redeems. It loses its murmur in the deep of God's purpose. But it is glorified by all that God achieves. It can no more fail than God can fail. It moves majestically on to the accomplishment of what omniscience has planned and omnipotence must execute. The saved man has not lost himself. He's gained God. Jesus said that losing ourselves in him is great gain. The parable of them that sold all that they had to buy a pearl, all that they had to buy a field. What they lost became immeasurable gain. Are you with me? Jesus, he says, he who loses his life, he who surrenders his life, he who follows me will find life and find it more abundantly. The rich young ruler missed this entire truth. Jesus offered him the second chance, or not second chance, offered him the chance of life. He recognized that there was something missing himself. He understood that all that this life consisted of didn't offer him what he felt internally was missing. He said it. What must I do to have? In other words, by his own confession, he is saying, I do not have. Something is missing. So sad that he clutched all that his life consisted of and missed out on life. Luke 9, 25 says these words that echo throughout all eternity. What good is it for someone to gain the world yet lose or forfeit their very self? How many have a self tonight? We have a self. What good is it to gain everything and lose? Again, listen to the wisdom of James. What is your life? What is it? 
There is another thing that can be lost that I must conclude with, and that is time. Time carries with it opportunities. And those opportunities, if we squander the time, can be lost. I used to tell my church in Raleigh, how is it that we always see opportunity in the rearview mirror, but not in the windshield? Isn't that funny? Got a big windshield, but we always see opportunity in the small mirror, and we miss it on the grand scheme and big picture, but hindsight is always 2020. Paul states that we need to redeem the time. He says we need to buy up all the opportunities we have. We say so often, man, where did the time go? We look at the day that seemed to speed by, especially weekends. You get off on Friday, and next thing you know, it's Monday before you know it. Enough of those makes years that you and I look back on. Are you hearing me, please? Enough of those make years. And it's not no longer do we say, where did the time go? We say, where did the years go? But time, time is what makes up your life. I hope you're hearing me. And time is what makes up your life. And that's what we're talking about. Time can be lost. And the sad truth about that is when time is lost, it can never be recovered, just accounted for. Joe, in our church in Raleigh, We went to morning prayer. He had a sister. His name was Miss Francis, sweet woman. She was in a nursing home right down the street from where we were at, and um, she'd come to church every Sunday, give me a hug, tell me she loved me. She's a sweet woman, about 70 at that time, 74 years old, I believe. She was older than him, maybe 75. A lot of health issues. And... Um, they would rush her to the hospital for anything. She stubbed her finger. They didn't want any accountability. They'd rush her to the hospital. And so, uh, you know, they'd, they'd have to call him and tell him, hey, we're taking her to the hospital. He'd say, oh, yeah, what's going on? Oh, she hurt her finger. Oh, she hurt her leg. Oh, she, you know, her toe was bothering her. Oh, she's got a headache. Ah, oh, we're going to rush her to the hospital. So they just rushed. So one morning, I'm in prayer. Joe comes. says, ah, Pastor Chase, I'm going to have to leave prayer early. Uh, they just called said, Francis at the hospital again. I said, yeah, what for this time? I think he said, ah, her left leg was bothering her or something like that. And so he says, okay. I said, all right, Joe, God bless you. Let me know if you need anything. He leaves and he goes, he stops off at 7-Eleven, gets a coffee, gets to the hospital, wake med over there uh, on um, 64. He gets off, he parks his truck, and he's sitting in his truck drinking his coffee, just kind of wasting time. He's drinking his coffee. Finishes his coffee, and Mr. Joe's a slow walker anyway, so he walks Walks in, asks them at the front, hey, I'm here to see Miss Coffee. They look her up and say, okay, she's in C2. 